HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food and beverage radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila. Delicious and smooth tequila, meaning harmony with the earth. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume. Drink responsibly. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Hey, buddy. Damon is in Mexico, so we're on our own again. Yep. Once again. But, uh, and you, Well, you... any idea... Well, first, let's talk about him. Any idea what the <laughs> hell he's doing in Mexico? No, I have no idea what he's doing in Mexico. I'm sure he told us, but I'm sure it's it's something uh, that's that's fantastic and cool and, and wonderful that, you know, he, he gets to do because he lives a charmed life. <laughs> um, no truer words were spoken. That guy lives the most charmed life. Um, well, anyway, we, we miss we, you, buddy. Yeah, we hope we, we have have fun for the rest of us that are stuck here in our in our little recording studios in hot, humid, steamy Brooklyn. Speaking well, of hot, speaking humid, of hot and humid, steamy. And steamy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like that segue. Uh, uh, you yeah. just got back from New Orleans. How was that, man? Uh, man, it was great. Um, first time back to Tales of the Cocktail. Tales of the Cocktail, first time live in two years, of course, because of, you know, broadly, Everything. Gestures, bro- broadly gestures to the world around me. Um, and, uh, you know, I used to live in New Orleans, so I have always treated Tales of the Cocktail, which is the world's largest cocktail convention, as um, an opportunity to go home and visit old friends. And that, it's also from a different era of my life. It's when I was a chef, so I get to see people who don't really even know me as as, as bartender um, figure. Um, but also I get to see all my friends from the industry and this year was super reunion like because we had had that two year gap. Um, and I was there for longer than I normally am. I was there for a full, um, seven days of Saturday to Saturday. And, uh, it was great. It was really great. Um, did all the things that I love doing in that city, ate at all the places I love eating, ate at a bunch of new places that I'd never gotten to eat before, never even heard of before. Uh, and just seeing that the city is back alive thriving um and and moving forward is is just great you know it's a it's such a it's a city steeped in such history and to see them just you know carrying back on again and again and again after you know ida happened during the pandemic and of course the city is still in some sense of recovery even all the way back from katrina but just to see 
everyone. It was great. I, I wish you could have come with us. Yeah, man. I'm sorry I had to I had to miss it, but uh, but I'm glad you. I'm glad one of us was was there representing the show and just having, like I said, having a good time for those of us that uh, who are thoroughly tapped out of our travel budgets these days. Um, and I miss it, man. I'm really looking forward to. I'm I'm like I'm already scheming. You know, I complain about like, oh man, I have to you know go to this place and then this place and then that place. But I'm already scheming to get back to New Orleans because I, I I like I like seeing all these different amazing, like you said, like really historic, uh, steeped in history places. And it, you yeah. know, it's been, it's been, it's been a minute and there's really no other place on earth quite like it, you know? Right. And, and also some, some of it, some of it's history that's kind of new. Um, in fact, I worked an event, uh, for Fernet Branca on Tuesday, uh, at Peixos, which is a new bar, but the bar is named for Antoine Amadie Peixot because it's in his former home. Um, you know, of Peixot's Bitters and, and of course, the inventor of the Sazerac cocktail. Uh, so, yeah, you get to see history, you know, kind of from from both angles, from from new and and you get to go back and relive it a little bit, too. So uh, that city is full of little gems and surprises like that. And, uh, yeah, it's just a fantastic place to be. I had such a good time. And then, of course, we did an Amoria Margo pop-up that was unsanctioned by Tales of the Cocktail Store. Um, well, <laughs> the you know, unlicensed it, biography. Well, here's how it went down. My head bartender, Bruce Schultz, great guy, his um, sort of longtime best friend, a um, guy named Brad Goocher, also from New York. They're both from New York City. Moved down there five years ago and purchased a small building, two floors. Top floor is an apartment where he and his wife and fresh baby live. Bottom floor, he's been DIYing for the past five years to get it built out to become a little pizza uh, restaurant. He put in a wood-fired oven, similar to ones you'd see here in New York. In fact, Brad used to work at Roberta's. Um, really? Yeah. So he's got this big glass wall so the guests can see the, the wood-fired pizzas being made. Um, and then the bar itself uh, boasts a pretty heavy list, heavy as it can be for New Orleans. Then Louisiana doesn't carry a lot of them, but a pretty heavy list of Amari. Um, and the joint happens to be called Margot's, M-A-R-G-O-T apostrophe S, the name. Um, so uh, Bruce was like, and they just opened in May, by the way. They, you know, he's been building this place for all this time. And they just opened in May. So Bruce was like, let's go down and do a pop-up at Margot's and we will help Brad get his business off the ground because we'll get him a lot of exposure and people come to the bar and all the thing. And I was like, in, this is for sure we're doing this. Um, but of course, you know, again, the place didn't open until May. So there was no way for us to get in to Tales of the Cocktail proper with this. So we just like, well, we're just going to do it. We won't make a lot of noise out of it. We'll just see who shows up and we'll, we'll point some attention to him. Brad reaches out to us about uh, two weeks before we go down and says, listen, guys, the, the bar and restaurant is taking off like crazy. I'm too busy for you guys to come and quote unquote, <laughs> help me. We're normally closed on Tuesdays. Do you want to do your thing on Tuesday? Um, so I said, sure. Yeah. We just want to do it now. Cause we've kind of told people we're coming. So we got to do it. Um, and uh, just a slaughterhouse, man. We got pummeled, and we did. We, we called it a more at Margot's, right? Cheeky. Uh, it kind of writes itself. Um, I don't get it. I don't get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we we're kind of out of the way. It's on Frenchman, which of course is part of uh, you know the edge of the quarter, uh, the sort of northern edge of the quarter where a lot of music is. But it's pretty far down Frenchman Street into the more residential area. So I was nervous that we weren't going to get the crowd that we you know would would want to show up. Um, and boy, was I wrong. Um, you know, even though it wasn't necessarily walkable, people had to take a, you know, a car, a cab, whatever, what have you to get there. We just got slaughtered. Uh, we were supposed to be there from seven till 11. We ran 100%. I mean, to the drop, we had nothing left over. 
out of product um, at uh, 10, 15, 45 minutes of us just sort of apologizing, shaking hands and saying thank you for coming. <laughs> uh, but you you literally overwhelmed us. You took us, uh, you, you know, you, uh, you know, you know, you know, those situations where you've got, I think we had six drinks on the menu and like, okay, well, that one's 86. So then, this, then the dominoes start falling. Right. And mm-hmm. then we got to the point where people are walking up to the bar and you're just like, I have the, these two drinks. That's it. I have this one drink. Like, hey, we'll take it. You know, so we literally ran out of every drop of product we had and we had such a blast. And I, I can't thank um, Brad and his wife uh, at Marco's enough for hosting us. And uh, it for sure showed me that the little bar, Mori Margo, still has a lot of um, drawing power and uh, maybe kind of reminded me of that, uh, you know, this past two years have been pretty rough. And I think it invigorated my my sensibility a little bit to know that, you know, we still got it. Um, so it was a great time. And then, yeah, of man. course, um, Thursday night, strange, <laughs> strange, strange night, strange night, Thursday. Why, strange night. Well, why did it change from, okay, Tails had to reorganize and do a bunch of things, but the award ceremony is now was now on Thursday night, which kind of throws off your whole kind of weekend. Um, you know, it used to be on Saturday night, and then you get up Sunday morning and do pig and punch and, and head out of town. Um, Thursday night, the award ceremony was beautiful. It was fun. Been there, been there five years in a row up on the board. Um, you know, nominated for the best broadcast podcast or video series and fifth year in a row did not bring it home. Yep. Our, our Susan Lucci esque streak continues. Listen, I'll tell you this as a quick little allegory and then we should get to the show. Um, or not allegory. It's a story. This is truly happened. My yeah. table included um, Julie Reiner who was uh, nominated. Uh, well, not nominated. There's no nomination. She, she, she received the award for lifetime achievement. Uh, which, by the way, Julie is far too young to get a Lifetime Achievement Award. She, they're going to have to give her another one in a few years. Um, <laughs> she's not done, is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? But she was sitting literally directly to my left at the table. Um, and uh, um, when she turned to me and said, as as we did not get called to go up to the stage, she turned to me and said, fifth year, not, fifth year nominated? I said, yeah. And she goes, uh, uh, just shows you're doing consistent work. Yeah, so, that's true, man. I don't know. It's it's easy. It's easy, and, and frankly, it's a little fun to be like kind of salty about it on the air. But you know, I, I I agree. It is nice to just you know consistently have that recognition from the community to know that that this thing that you know I'm now I started doing it at a, a, a shipping container next to a pizza restaurant. I'm now doing from a, a closet in my apartment is <laughs> reaching people. You know, it, it, it with with consistency that year after year people are tuning in to see i don't know what what the what the fuck we're up to and what's going on between our ears for some reason but also that we're you know bringing a lot of good stories from the industry to people and that's that's why that's why we do it man that's why i'm i'm happy i'm happy to put myself in this closet without a fan or without air circulation once a week and uh and you know bring these stories out there <laughs> uh i am too and i'm glad i'm glad you're here with us and i'm glad you're on board and uh, you know, um, the, the the show wouldn't be the same without you and, and uh, couldn't be happier for us to get nominated year over year. You know, uh, I said it on shows leading up to Tales of the Cocktail. You know, the new rules dictate that if you win in this category, you cannot even be nominated for five more years. And I would certainly prefer to be nominated every year to go to the dance uh, and, and see who gets to go up on stage. Maybe one day it'll be us. Uh, I'd, I'd rather go year over year than, than know that we had it and couldn't go for five years. Yeah, I kind of want that plate though. <laughs> let's go. Let's go for well, maybe one or two more nominations, and then let's take well, home some I know hardware. That the offices of HRN are like, yeah, but the plate would really help us get sponsors. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, what's the difference really of uh, you know Oscar nominated or Oscar winning? You should still be able to get sponsors, right? So, 
Anywho, I think we do all right. Um, yeah, we're do- we're doing okay over here. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and it also it also means we'll see a lot of booze mail. We always get a lot of booze mail after Tales of the Cocktail, so I'm excited to see what shows up at the door. Yeah, care um, packages, man. Love you it. want to let us know who's in the studio today? Hell yeah. We got Josh Davis from Brown and Balance, who was also in uh, New Orleans last week. I missed the party. Josh, how you doing? Man? Hey, hey, hey. What's happening, man? I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you guys, and you are way, way more gracious than I was in losing. <laughs> um, my, my competitive nature kicked in, so I was, I was upset. So I am definitely taking my hat off to both you guys and trying to learn a little bit of grace. From both of you all, because I was not in a good mood after I didn't win. So <laughs> it's only it's only because the tape is rolling right now, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll talk offline, and I get the real story. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, well, I, I slightly disagree. I would say I was pissed maybe the first two, but now that we keep going up there, I I get excited to know that I'm going to go to the award show. I'm going to, you know, what I mean, again to 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 not be able to even be nominated for five, fuck. I mean, you know, you can't bet on anything anymore will the show be around in five more years right might be our only opportunity this this way i'm invited i get to go to the show every time like it's nice true yeah true i get it i just i don't know man glass half empty glass half full yeah, whatever give, give just, me a glass yeah i'm i'm, I'm just a, i'm just a guy like i you know growing up playing sports and all of that i'm just super mom i got i'm the youngest of uh five boys so and my whole life has been competitive you know, oh, yeah. you got to compete to to eat to everything, and I'm the runt. Now you got now, so you see me. I'm not a little six guy. two. Yeah, I'm six two. Yeah, six two two forty, and I'm the little guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, so I've always just and then, and then congrats to everybody else that was in my category. Chris Hanna, of course, my, my brother, my friend. We were roommates uh, in Puerto Rico at Kane Camp. I love Chris Hanna, everything he's done. For the industry, but I wanted that plate, man. I really, really wanted that plate. <laughs> really, really bad. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's incentivizing. It lights a fire. You'll you'll get it. You'll get it. Oh next yeah, week. yeah. I, I took a page from uh. You guys remember the Last Dance when they did the Bulls documentary? Michael Jordan took everything personally. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of how I, I walked away from it. So, okay, now it's time just to get back to work, load the clip up, and just and just start really pumping out Brown and Balance and really. You know, making making waves in the industry all over again, for sure, for sure. But you understand that even when you get that plate, and I, I say when you get it because I feel certain that you will. Thank you. When you get it, though, you have to come to this place of Zen, right? You know, where you how did you get there? You got there by chopping wood and carrying water. Mm-hmm. And once you get there, you chop wood and carry water. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it never, like, it's never going to stop. Yeah, absolutely. Correct, correct. Yeah, but. You chopped enough wood and you carried enough water to take home the 2022 Bartender of the Year yes. from Bar Restaurant Expo, formerly Nightclub and Bar Show out in Vegas. How the hell does that feel? Oh man, that was great. That was a um, that was a really surreal feeling. Uh, around that time, uh, we were at Bartenders Weekend a few days beforehand. It was the first live in person Brown and Balance event since 2019, and to be nominated was was really great. And to win the award on the one year anniversary of losing my dad was a really really like emotional surreal moment. Because uh, it's funny, my dad was one of the only people that actually believed in me when I told him about 16, 17 years ago, hey, you know what? I'm going to quit my really good corporate job and I'm going to be a bartender. And he, everybody else said, you're nuts. Something's wrong with you. Like, you, you just, how could you do this? And I was like, no, nah, I just really have a passion for it and I really enjoy it. 
and I'm just going to go all in and do it. And um, he was one of the only people that really, really believed me and just always told me, you know, be yourself, keep pushing, don't lose who you are, you know what I mean, just keep grinding, and, and you'll be successful. So uh, we lost him on March 20th last year, 2021, 20, uh, and to win the award on March 20th this year, was just, it was an amazing feeling. So it was all for him. This year, well, was, I mean, uh, congratulations, and of course, I'm sorry for the loss of your dad, but, but yeah, uh, what what a great tribute you just gave him. Yeah, man, it was it was uh, amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. So let's talk about your past a little bit then. Mm-hmm. Um, Southside Chicago doorman uh, at a at a club, yeah. and then you somehow, as we all do, I think you know, there's plenty of quotes out there that say how bartenders don't choose to be a bartender; they sort of accidentally become that. Yep. So, mm-hmm. so, so what happened there? Well, right into it. Uh, so I was kind of got uh, you here. I was a I was a manager at a Foot Locker Incorporated. Anybody knows me, I'm a sneakerhead. So uh, I was a manager for Locker for six years. Ran yeah, you and you and Kate Gerwin. Yeah, yeah, and me, Kate, Sean, Nectali, we all just sneakerheads, <laughs> man. And uh, I was managing stores for the company for six years, and it was a ceiling there. Like I could only go so far, and I wanted to get out of it. I was making good money, but I wanted to just do something else. And a buddy of mine <laughs> had a bunch of contracts to do security in nightclubs. And I was like, all right, I'll do it to make some extra money. And I worked at a nightclub downtown, and the owner said, hey, guys, look, I'm short tonight. I just need a warm body behind this bar. It was like the third bar in the spot. Nobody goes back there. He's like, I just need somebody back there. you probably just be doing, you know, vodka Red Bulls, nothing too too major. I was like, well, I don't I don't know how to make any drinks. I know how to drink them. That I can do. It's <laughs> half the game, buddy. It's <laughs> half the game. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to make them, man. My job is to, you know, put people out and pat people down. But, all right, I'll stand back. He said, I'll put a, a waitress back there with you. You'll be fine. Busiest night of my life to my to, to date. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember. <laughs> to date. To date. I've never been that busy behind the bar ever again. Um, but I don't know if you guys remember back in the days, like nightclubs, like uh, Long Island used to come pre-mixed in 750s. And it was all the spirits that going to Long Island. You just had to just add coke. But I didn't realize, you know, that you shouldn't serve everybody that the whole night. So everybody, you got <laughs> Long Island. You want a vodka Red Bull, you got Long Island with Red Bull. So uh, <laughs> I was just trying to get this shit out as fast as I could. I, mean, I had no idea what I was doing. Hopefully no one, knock on wood, passed from alcohol poisoning because I didn't know how to measure. <laughs> I was just pouring drinks, but I made a ton of money. I didn't have to fight. I didn't have to getting any altercations. I was like, wow, like if I can make this amount of money and I don't know what the hell I'm doing, let me take it serious. And I enrolled in bartending school that next Monday. And three weeks later, I was- The next Monday? The next Monday. I literally left the club Saturday. Sunday thought about it. Monday looked up and found a bartending school and enrolled. The bug bit you hard. It got me. I was like, this is fun. It's fast paced. And again, you know, it was a lot safer (laughs) than my previous job. Sure. And I was just like, let me just do it. You know, I'm, I'm the type of person, you know, once I get locked in on something, I want to try to master it to the best of my ability. And I went all all in on bartending at that point. My whole life was just, I didn't talk about anything but spirits and bartending. I started, I, I was watching YouTube videos. I was just doing everything I could to really get immersed in the industry. And I fell in love with it. And, you know, like I said, almost 20 years later, here we are. Yeah, what made you? What was a turning point that you can maybe define mm-hmm. that moved you from that club atmosphere to the more craft side of the of the rail? I met Charles Jolie one night. Hell yeah, I met Fucking Charles, great, great guy. Him, Daniel De Oliveira, and Todd Apple. I met them three. I was on a date. 
with 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 um with, with a girl, and we, we went out and we went to a spot called Crimson Lounge here in Chicago. That's no, it's no longer there, but all three of those guys were high. But these are three rock stars. I don't know who they are, but you know now that I'm getting to know now I'm knowing them over the years. I'm like these are three legitimate rock stars, and they were making drinks and blue blazers and fresh juice. And the girl I was on a date with got really impressed by them, and she said, "You don't make drinks." Right. Ah. Again, there it is. Yeah, that's what did we're, it. We're unlocking the motivator I'm here. You know what I mean? I said, "Wait," she said, "You don't make drinks like those guys." I said, "Wait a minute, I'm, I'm just as good as them." So I just started seeking those guys out, and this is right around the time that social media gets big. So I get their business cards. I start following them on Facebook and MySpace and all that other stuff, and I just start following them around to different bars and watching what they did and asking questions. And they probably looking like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" But I just, I really wanted to, to learn and wanted to get it. So me and Danny uh, developed a friendship. He introduced me to Bridget Albert. Um, yeah. Bridget Albert had the Academy of Spirits here in Chicago. And uh, I, I just, I took my last $300 and said, all right, well, I'm going to get in this class. I'm going to learn about spirits and we're going to see where it goes. And I, I, I give Bridget credit for all the success I have because she opened up my eyes to a, a whole new world of, Crab cocktails, mixology, spirits, and everything I had no idea of before. Yeah, I mean, you're you're not the only one. She's opened a lot of eyes. She's an amazing mentor for many, many people, and she's been out there doing it for quite a long time. So Absolutely. Love how fortunate, how fortunate you were to um, I don't know, find her. Yeah. Have her have her thrust into your life by whatever forces. But then every um, week we're in class, every week. Like I met Tad Carducci on my first week of class. You know, he taught the room class. <laughs> Kyle McHugh. I I'm just meeting all these these guys I hear about these like these these uh these ghosts and these legends in the industry and they're coming to teach us every Tuesday for three hours and I just I just soaked it all in. I mean, there's something to be said for that too. You know, just because you go to these things doesn't mean you you take them in. So it's uh, it's something about your nature and your your I don't know sensibility that made you not only go but to absorb it. Yeah. Let's take a quick pause, Josh, uh, and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come right back and keep talking to Josh Davis about Brown and Balanced. Uh, we need to get into talking to a little bit more about that. So stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. I'm Chava Perivan, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN, here to talk about 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family-owned and operate distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainability-managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred. My organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. 
The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. Welcome back to The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, and today we're talking with Josh Davis of Brown and Balanced. We were talking a little bit about uh, Josh's origin story, about how uh, he got bit by the the bug, had realized that I think like all of us, he's a little bit of an adrenaline junkie and was just kind of like, oh, hey, wait, I like I like uh, not stopping you know, just doing this for, for 12 hours straight without a break. Uh, there's some, there's some small sick part of us that I think just really grooves on that. And, uh, you know, we, we got up to the point where, uh, we're about to talk about Brown and Balance, which I think just had a birthday this past, uh, what was it yesterday, Josh? Yes. Yesterday, August 2nd, 2017 at, uh, shows, uh, in Deep Ellum, uh, Texas, we had the very first Brown and Balance ever. Uh, it was myself and, uh, Micah Anderson who just took the job as the uh, Pierre Ferrand, uh Southern California rep. So congrats to him from that. And uh, mm-hmm. we, we knocked it out during a Barnes 2 Dallas stop uh, back then. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was It's, it's funny how the, the event has grown. I remember that first event, we had six bottles. That was it. No wow. sponsorship for real. Uh, nobody really kind of knew what the event was going to be, but – my idea and my focus was I started working with Lush Life uh, late 2016, early 2017, and I was on all the you know Portland Cocktail Week and the Barnes Two Stops, and it was fun. But I didn't see enough people that looked like me that were teaching, that were bartending, and I was like, well, there's a lot of bartenders that are black and brown out here. What can I do? Just be being me and being competitive. You know, we gonna that's gonna be a recurring theme. Yeah, <laughs> you know, me being me, it was like, nah, man. I know a lot of really dope bartenders that look like me. Like, what can I do to kind of even the playing field a little bit, or at least give some exposure or something? And I had this crazy idea. I think we were on the Barnes Two D Condo tour. I think we were driving to like Philly, and I woke up at like just just oh, just real quickly to refresh. Barnes Two D Condo was was Portland Portland Cocktail Week doing a. A sort of a, a tour, sure. basically, literally in a van, right? Yeah, we were in a van. We did going, like going from city to city and bringing education to people that was uh, um, inexpensive, or was it free? I can't recall. No, it was free. It was all yeah. everything. All you had to do was just sign up. Uh, you on the email list, and you could come to all the events. And uh, yeah, I felt yeah. like a rapper. I was, it was thirty cities in thirty days, man. It was crazy. Holy shit! I would never do that. Wow! Again. Never. <laughs> I would never do it again. <laughs> I was living out of my bag. <laughs> Is Lindsay listening? <laughs> my, my kids didn't see me. They were like, "Dad, you ever coming home?" Like it was. I was literally on the road, and then I fly home for like a day, and I fly back to another city, and then we back on the road for a week or two. Like it was, it was nuts, and it was a. It was fun, but I would yeah. That's at forty three. Josh is not doing that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, uh-uh. nah, Josh would meet y'all in some select cities. 
I'm surprised you did it at 38. Hey, it was it was that's, it, a, that's a young man's game right yeah, there. That, that was not for me. I'm like, man, I'm a, not a little guy. I'm in this van. I'm sleeping in the van. I, I can't do this anymore. This is but the experience was though. I met a lot of really great people. Met you, I believe, yes. at the New York stop. So in person, you know, I've been uh, you for years. I think we met. I think we met in the DC stop. It was DC? Yeah. I think okay. So. Okay. I, but whichever. Yeah. Whichever. All the all the cities started to run together at a certain yeah. point. Like it just it was it was rinse and repeat. You know what I mean? So. Um, yeah, but we we just did. It. I just woke up at, in the middle of the night, say, "Yo, I want to do a, a a bar takeover," and just black bartenders, black DJs, black chefs. I just really want to put it out there, and everybody in the van was like, "Dude, it's four in the fucking morning." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like "That's what I said." But you get friend. fired up, right? You yeah. get an idea, and you know that it's going to be a good one, and you get fired up. Yeah, and and we put and you want to fire up the people around you. Put it together. Shout it out there to a lot of different brands and sponsors. We didn't get a lot of return but uh george dickel believed in us diageo family mm-hmm. they believed in us uh mm-hmm. they gave us six bottles for a 200 person party i don't know how we did it but we did it man and um applesauce yeah went from dallas <laughs> to dc was the next stop a month later we did it in dc that was the first mm-hmm. all uh women edition of brown and Barrel. oh yeah cool. all women bartenders in dc and then we the last stop was new york that year in 2017 and i said i think we got something I think we got some. We got to fine tune it um, to make it grow. But I think we got an idea here that's going to work. And exponentially, man, the last five years, we went from six bottles to six, seven brands that are a part of the event all at the same mm-hmm. time. And I'm appreciative of everybody who's throwing support uh, to all these young black bartenders and brown bartenders that are coming up in the industry. You know, for a long time. When people thought of black bartenders, they thought of myself, Tiffany Barrier, um, Aaron Joseph, maybe about six or seven of us mm-hmm. out there. Now it's so many young, up and coming, hungry bartenders that have used Brown and Balance. They've used Chocolate City's Best. They've used Turning Tables in New Orleans. They've they've been able to use all these platforms to to grow in the industry and really become the, the people that are going to usher this industry into the next. When guys like me are getting old and getting out of the game. And moving on to other things, they're going to be able to. It's just going to be in good hands moving forward. So, I feel good. I mean, that's incredible, and what a great origin for it to happen while you're on the road, while you had kind of this, I don't know, built in is the wrong word, but you had this situation where you could, you could, you could try something out and try it again and try it again, and also try it in front of different audiences in different cities. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like you were trying to do this at your home bar in right. Chicago and you know, let's make it a monthly event. And no, you're just out there and the opportunity to have it be so easily beta tested. Yeah. I'm sure led, led to its sort of rapid growth. Yeah. It, it's grown to now we've done 14 events. Um, I have camp run them up in two weeks coming up. I have to go down there and do it again there. And then next month, one of my favorite cities, we're getting ready to do Atlanta uh, on September 18th. And that's going to be the second all women edition. It'll be all women bartenders from Atlanta that are going to rock out. And then we're going to go out to Vegas in October. And then after Vegas in October, we're going to start planning for 2023. Talk to me about what an activation looks like. What does Atlanta look like? Is it just a one-night event? It's going to be a one-day um, event. Um, so it's a one-day event. The bartenders are the feature. Uh, it's, it's really about placing these bartenders in front of brands to showcase what they can do. Um, we've grown now to where I have live art um happening during the bar so i find a a young black artist and they do a live art installation at the event um djs is small bites from a local chef caterer 
And it's just what I like just to call vibes. It's like just inviting people into what, uh, I'm not going to say, I hate this word, urban, but like it's what a black space looks like. Um, mm-hmm. When you come to my bar in Chicago, 16th Street Bar, which is in the South Loop downtown, you're going to come in and you're going to feel like you're at home. It's, it's everybody's cheers, you know, in the city. And that's what I, I pretty much base Brown and Balance on. I want you to come in and just feel good. A lot of times, um, you know, being a, a, a black man from the South Side of Chicago, I have to uh, conform to different spaces and I have to move in different spaces, but mm-hmm. now I want everyone else to have to come into my space and see what it's like, uh, to be around me at a cookout in the backyard, hanging out with family and friends and just really enjoying the fellowship, the hospitality and just having fun. You know, a lot of times events we go to at tales and different things, everything's so technical, right? And it's like, nah, let's just have fun. Let's listen to some good music. Let's dance. And let's just enjoy being around each other. And I think Brown and Balance has brought that back to the industry as a whole. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, the events that I've been privy to go to um, are, are definitely leaning down that road. Mm-hmm. Um, how far do you think we are away from a time when you personally uh, and maybe other brown and black people in, in our field will feel like they don't have to do so much code switching just to just to visit spaces or be a part of those spaces? Well, the thing is, man... I, it's something that's ingrained in us, right? Like we've always mm-hmm. been taught to code switch. Like I just something mm-hmm. that I just do. You know what I mean? It's funny. I see my children when they were younger, I saw them doing it without me ever telling them to do it. Right. They would conform to whatever mm-hmm. space they were in. I feel like this society as a whole, you know, cause like bartending in our industry is kind of like a microcosm of what society really is. Right. And we're a long way away, but I know we're closer than we were before. Uh, that last guy that was in the office kind of threw everything off a little bit, but I think we're getting back to normal. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think we're getting back to people seeing people for who they are and just enjoying where they are and in that moment where you don't have to, you can just be yourself. You don't have to worry about trying to impress. Like the one thing about me, I, I go back to my dad. He always told me just be yourself. And if anybody don't like it, man, they'll be all right. You know, you, you you didn't know some people you didn't know two years ago. So are they going to have that big of an impact on your life if they don't like you for being you? So, you know, we're, we're a ways away, but I think we're closer than we were. Well, I'm definitely happy to hear that we're moving closer, moving the needle closer to that, that side. Talk to me a little bit about what an activation for Brown and Balance looks like at camp and, and, and maybe even talk a little bit about camp just for our listeners' edification. Yeah, Camp Run Amok. Camp Run Amok changed my life. I know a lot of people... Like camp, some people don't. I get it. It's not for everybody. Uh, it, I didn't think it was for me when I first got accepted. I've been going to camp since 2015. Um, I had to have a real pep talk <laughs> from my camp counselor because I was like, I'm a city boy, man. I don't like. I'm the one to be out in the in the cabin in the woods. Like I wear Jordans, and I don't. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, my shoes gonna get dirty. Like, I don't like this. Like, I don't know. And I went, and my my cabin counselor has actually become one of my best friends in life, Gene Samuel, out in Las Vegas. And he said, "Hey, man, look, just just trust me and be yourself. You're gonna have a good time." And by the third day of camp, I had a great time. We would go out, we visit distilleries, uh, we have events back at camp. It gets a little silly because like we're dressed alike and stuff like that. So, you know, to see you know five or six you know forty year old men uh, dressed like. <laughs> Shark, you know, pajamas is kind of weird, but it's fun all at the same time. You know what I mean? It um, creates a level of camaraderie and oh, team. Man. You know, that, those are my brothers' uh, life. 
Yeah, my first exactly. Time. No, my, my I've only been to camp once. Uh, I'm I'm one of those who I really enjoyed it, but for me, it was a one time experience. That's all I need. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm I'm a decade older than you, so that, that might explain some yeah. of it. But uh, yeah, I'm still quite good friends with all of my my cabin mates. Yeah, my cabin guys from my first year. They we all like we all still travel together. We all got matching tattoos. We all you know we still <laughs> hang out, talk almost regularly. Our our group chat from 2015 is still active to this day. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are those are my brothers for life, and and I think that was the thing I took away from camp, that that kind of relationship. I was a type of person that really didn't let new people in. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm really guarded a lot, and my friends that I consider my friends have been my friends since kindergarten, first, second grade. You know what I mean? And, and really, ain't nobody new has been around in all these years. So that to be able to open up and have people like that, it can really show me another side of myself, and it really helped me just mentally, emotionally, and all of that. So. Uh, I enjoy it. I love it. It's a great thing. But at camp back then, the first year I went to camp, it was seven black people out of 300. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And again, me being me, I was like, no, nah, this got to change. Like, I need more people to look like me to experience this because we're looking at it as, no, nah, that's not for me. Because, you know, as a black person, when you walk in a space and you see nothing but people who don't look like you, you tend to be like, well, maybe this isn't for me. And I got home in 2015 and started recruiting people. Yo, you got to go to camp. Trust me. Just go. You go. And I've been in every session since uh, since fall 2015. At some point, either as a, count, a counselor, a head counselor, whatever. And now, um, to give us a night at camp for Lindsay to say, hey, look, you know, we have the Honky Tonk with Bernie Lovers. We have all these other activations. Would you like to do a Brown and Balance at camp to kind of help? you know, bridge that gap with the black camp. I mean, to, to literally balance the scale. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. Bridge that gap, you know what I mean? I was like, let's do it. So it Brown is Brown and balanced. It is a party. I'll tell you that. I create the playlist. Uh, we have food. Um, it's just a cookout. It's literally a barbecue. It's, li- it's literally, if you come to Brown and Balance Night at camp, it's almost like sitting in my backyard on a Sunday afternoon, listening to music, laughing, talking, and just enjoying each other. I can't wait. That sounds fantastic, man. I mean, that sounds just like, 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 you know, it's, it's a space that you can just go and kind of be yourself in and chill, you know? Yeah, just be you. I mean, if you want to play cards, you want to shoot dice. I'm not advocating gambling, but if anybody wants to shoot dice, <laughs> I will have singles and I will be at camp on August 18th. <laughs> That's right. We can, we can advocate gambling. Yeah, you know what I mean? We'll you know, hey, you know, there's a lot of vices in our industry, so I don't want to trigger anybody, but. I will be there on the 18th <laughs> with a lot of singles in my pocket. So listen, it just uh, it just in, in, you know it just encourages you to have a good time playing the game. That's, That's all. all. It's, yeah. it's incentive. It's incentive to play the game. That's all. You know. And again, We're I'm just talking I'm, penny I'm, ante, dollar dollar bets, whatever. Yeah, you know. And I'm competitive, so let's let's have a good time. <laughs> I'm the Spades champ at camp. I am also the only cabin to ever win a basketball game at camp. So I'm taking all comers on. <laughs> <laughs> the unstoppable Josh Davis. I try, man. I try. So now that you've established Brown and Balance yeah. five years as as of yesterday, you say yes, sir. What is coming next for Brown and Balance, um, both literally and figuratively? What's the next activation? Uh, I guess it's camp since that's coming up soon. Yep. And then what's the um, what's the future hold for Brown and Balance? What is your desire for it to hold? Man, the future. This is. I'm glad you asked me that. I just uh, I kind of released it during Tales on my. Uh, I did a panel with Lindsey Johnson and Capri Robinson and everybody. And I, I said, so I've had, you know, a little bit of a, a checker past. I've had, I've done some things in life that I'm not necessarily the most proud of, but I did it out of uh, survival. 
You know what I mean? And um, I've made some mistakes and I've done some wrong things. And uh, I know some guys that have been in the same shoes as me. And I see younger guys, like some of my son. My son's 20. So some of his friends that are going down that same path, and I talk to them a lot. And what I want to do is I want to take Brown and Balance away from just bartenders. And I want to start to attack and get to the – well, not attack, but get to the guys that are like 17, 18, 19 that are coming out of like the juvenile home who don't know what they want to do with life. They know they don't want to go back to work, but they don't want to do things that's going to get them back in into jail or into the bigger house. And I want to start teaching these guys hospitality. I want to be able to call soda and say, hey, can you come and teach a class on you know, hospitality? Yes. You know what I mean? Can you come show these guys? Because, you know, in, in my my neighborhood and in my environment, you know, it's just a pipeline. You you can only do a couple of things. Like Notorious Big say, you either have a wicked jump shot or you sling clack crack rock. Like that's all a lot of guys in my that came up with me know what to do. And right. I want to give them and show them that hospitality, bartending, this is a viable source of income. This can be a career. It's not a hustle. It's not something you do, you know, while you're just acting. You know what I mean? You can really do this and make it a career. And you can transition yourself into a brand. You can transition yourself to your own brand. You can start to podcast. You can host events. Like, there's so many different things you can do. In Write a industry. book. Open a bar. Yeah, yeah there's there's so many opportunities. Um, and I agree with you. Are you working with any other groups, like Turning Tables or anything like yeah, that? Turning Tables and I, we just teamed up to do Brown and Balance in New Orleans. And uh, oh, okay. I think Therese more so, we we talked about this briefly. I think he's more so focused on the educational aspect of mm-hmm. bartenders, which I totally love. But I just, I really want to start attacking the neighborhood, man. Like, I just want to get these guys and give them a chance because I... I watched my older brother who unfortunately, you know, is never going to be able to come back into society. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I watched the mistakes he made and he told me, you know, and we talked weekly. He was like, you keep at this shit, man, and don't mess up and don't make the mistake I do. Even when stuff gets tough, times get rough, you know, you want to give up. You want to just get something fast and, and handle your business. Just stick with what you're doing. You'll be successful, dog. Like, I know you. And I had that, but I know a lot of guys who don't. Right. And uh, I just I really want to start to affect my community in that way. Like, it's cool to help bartenders, but eventually we're all going to age out of actually being in the bar. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, only in the bar once a week now, you know, so and and even that once a week, my body is hurt when I get from behind sure. the bar. So what better way than to get some young, young talent that's hungry who just need the opportunity? And that's what I'm. Yeah, doing. man. Yeah, that's the that's the next iteration of what Brown and Bounds is going to become. It's going to be a community, uh, a community organization that's going to help my community a lot. This is this is funny. I was reading an interview with um, a chef who's from New Orleans, actually. This guy named Tunde Way, who kind of does like uh, I I don't know what to call them, like uh, dinners, performance art, takeovers, whatever. But he he'll go around to various cities and he'll do like you know. Nashville hot chicken, where I think it's like, it's, it's free for every, uh, for the black people that attend. And Mm. I think for white people that attend, it's like a hundred bucks for like a thigh. Like, I think for, I think for a whole bird, you have to hand over the deed to a house. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I read about this guy as well. Yeah. It's badass stuff. And, and the interviewer asked him, he's like, you know, it seems like, 
the restaurant industry is kind of the the, the safety net in this country that mm-hmm. you know we we can't that isn't going to be provided by the government because that's just not the country that we live in. But it is sort of like this place where it is, and I, I have mixed feelings about this word, but it is kind of a true meritocracy. And and mm-hmm. the the chef Tunde kind of scoffed at it a little bit, but I can sort of from where I am see the merits. And it sounds like that's the thing that maybe you're trying to focus on. Of you know, it's not we're not there yet, but but it's something that there there's, there's at least an opportunity there to like make strides and do better than we have in the past. Is that kind of what you're, what you're aiming for? I mean, absolutely. Like if you think about it, man, when my, my ancestors, when we were brought here, we were the chefs, we were the bartenders, the servers, we were hospitality. It's something that's inside of us. You know what I mean? Like we just, it's, it's natural because it's been passed down generationally. And now you know, through society, we've been taught, you know, guys that look like me have been taught, you either got to play ball, go to college, get a trade. And it's like, well, hospitality is a trade too. Why don't we look at this as something that, hey, if you made a mistake and you got a background, you can still work in hospitality. If you don't want to go to college, you can still work in hospitality. Like it's, it's, it's another option that's never been presented in my community as an option, it's always been looked at as, oh, you're just doing something to make some money. You're just hustling. You're just, you know, buying your time. You want to meet some girls, so you want to bartend. You know, you ne- it's never looked at as, yo, I can really do some amazing things in this industry. And I kind of had to learn that through a lot of trial and error. And now, because of my mis- my mistakes and my trials and errors and my missteps in this game and got me to where I'm at now, I want to now go back and reach back and say, it's a young Josh out there. That is literally one mistake away from ruining his life. Let me grab right. him before right. he makes that that mistake and say, "Hey, dog, just look what I'm doing. Look at my Instagram. Dude, I'm people pay me to travel and drink. You can yeah. do this. Like it's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Like I get to uh, meet amazing people all across the country. I get to go out of the country if I want. I can do a lot of different things just by just busting my ass a little bit, working a little bit, and and forging my own way." And before you never get to do this, man, let me just put my arm around you and help you get to, you know, find out what you want to do in this game. So that's the next move. That's the next move. It's going to be a lot of work, but <laughs> that's uh, that's what I'm shooting for. Uh, it's, it sounds like it sounds like it being a lot of work isn't really something that's a deterrent for you. No, 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 no. It hasn't been fast. You never get nothing yeah, yeah. Man, easy. Anything easy, I don't want it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I always say, you know, uh, nothing cool is easy absolutely you know if if fucking surfing was easy then every alley on the beach would be out there but it's not easy it's not easy it's hard which makes it cool yeah absolutely (laughs) um and i'm here to say josh uh super excited for whatever comes next for brown and balanced super proud of everything i've seen you do with with brown and balanced and i'm also here to say i'm 100 on board with whatever you need from me that i can provide thank you i appreciate that i mean you're a legend you know i will gladly come and well thanks for that i will gladly come and uh, host an event, teach a class. Uh, I'll, I'll host uh, uh, anybody you want to send me. I'll put them behind my bar for a stage. I'll teach them what I can teach them over the course of a couple of nights, whatever. I you, appreciate that. You come up with something for me to do, I will happily do it. Man, I appreciate that. And that's the thing. Like, I know a lot of people um, look at Brown and Balance like, I'm, I'm trying to separate. And it's like, no, I'm not trying to separate. I'm trying to actually bring everybody together. But sometimes to bring everybody together, you got to blow the whole place up and then rebuild it from the ground up. You know, what yeah. I mean? I, I'm not trying to make separate events. I'm not trying to, you know, just say, all right, well, all the black people over here and then everybody else over here. No, sometimes you got to blow up the establishment 
And when you blow up the establishment, you rebuild it together. So, yeah, and I think what no no better time to do that than than right here on the sort of you know tail end of the comet that is that is COVID nineteen, absolutely, uh, which kind of like shattered a bunch of things already. So while things are already broken, let's put them back to absolutely. put them back together better. Yeah, does not put a band aid on it. Let's really fix it. Yeah. Well, man, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us today on the show. Um, anybody wants to follow along with uh, Brown and Balance, um, uh, what's your in- Instagram handle? Yeah, you can follow us at Brown and Balance. So B-R-O-W-N-A-N-D-B-A-L-A-N-C-E-D. Fourth grade spelling bee champ. I still got it. Um, <laughs> you can follow us there. Are you competitive or something? Just a bit. Yeah. Just a bit, man. You know, hey, look, man, you grew up in, let me tell you something. My oldest brother is 6'8", then my second oldest is 6'7", 6'5", and 6'4". All ball players. Like, you just, yeah, like, even to this day, like, if one of us, like, I just bought a really nice television. It's really nice, you know, for Get Ready for Football Sundays. 82-inch TV. Love it. Got the whole surround sound in my basement. My brother went out and bought a 100-inch TV. I said, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so now. That's, that's what family's for, man. Yeah, so now I'm like, shit, I got to buy another house so I can get a bigger part in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just us, man. Like, somebody buys a car, somebody else got to buy another car. Like, it's just, that's just who we are. And, I, I mean, I love all them guys for it. They, they help push me to be better, so. You know, that's just what it is. But you can follow me at Brown and Balance. You can follow my personal page at Mr. Mixologist. Uh, you can follow Brown and Balance on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash Brown and Balanced. Uh, website is being uh, constructed now. There will be a podcast coming. There's a Brown and Balance cocktail book chronicling the first uh, three years of Brown and Balance coming what? soon. Yeah, I've been working on that. Really been just getting on myself to get that out. And uh, there'll be a lot more digital content, some stuff I can't talk about yet, but there's some really cool digital content on Brown and Balance on Instagram coming out. Well, all of that is quite exciting, especially the book part. I'm excited to see that you've got a book coming out because books get a lot of mileage because yes. they are, are a physical thing that someone can hold on to. And if you're going to be teaching people, books are a great tool. Absolutely. Um, so I'd love to have you back on the show when that gets out and about. Definitely. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm imploring everyone who's listening, go and follow Brown and Balance wherever you can follow. Uh, pay attention to what they're doing. And if they have any opportunity, if, if Josh ever, if you ever offer opportunities for people to help out financially, uh, I'm certain that people would love to donate and give uh, give to this this great uh, uh, initiative that you're spearheading. And, and man, we can't, uh, uh, again, uh, thank you enough for spending some time with us today because I know you're, you're probably pretty busy. Thank you. No, this is, this, is, this is actually something I've really been looking forward to since you reached out. So. Uh, it's really cool to be able to be on here with you guys. Thank you for the opportunity to come on and tell this crazy ass story I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's it for this uh, week's episode of the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, go to heritageradionetwork.org uh, to click on the beating heart. Oh, is it beating anymore, Greg? I think it's just a static heart now. I think it's just yeah, yeah. It's a new website. It's, there's still there's still a heart. Go get the heart. Um, yeah. Click on the heart to donate to keep shows like this one and other shows on the air. Uh, and we really appreciate you listening. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. It's going to get